All right. If you're like me, when you first got saved, you would hear this term. Now, you may not hear this anymore, but I remember when I got saved years ago, I heard this term uh, frequently and it was called the Great Commission. What is the Great Commission? What is this all about? And am I qualified to carry out the mission that Jesus commanded in the book of Mark, chapter 16? Or is this something that I have to be ordained by man to accomplish? Let's talk about it today. The following program is brought to you by friends and partners of End Time Headlines. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome, family, all of you guys who are joining us. Uh, we've got people everywhere listening, watching. Uh, first of all, I want to welcome everybody at the YouTube in the YouTube chat. You guys are likely coming from Facebook and Telegram and Instagram and all over the place where we're viewing uh, this segment from. We want to welcome you in the chat. Listen, if you're new, this is your first time joining us, let us know in the comment section below that you are new, and we want to officially welcome you again I am Ricky Scaparro, the founder, the pastor, and the voice of End Time Headlines. This is news and headlines from a prophetic perspective. Now, typically, um, our ministry is based on the fundamentals of warning, sounding the alarm, and giving you events from a biblical prophetic perspective. But we also, uh, we, we equip, we edify, and we encourage the body of Christ as well. So tonight... If you're joining us tonight, this is not an information message tonight. This is not a a, a podcast uh, per se of information, but it's revelation. It's equipping. So we hope you stick around uh, and you invite others to the broadcast. We want to welcome you guys on Apple and Spotify as well. So we've got, again, and Rumble. We don't want to forget our Rumble audience uh, we love you guys as well. We appreciate you coming on. Listen, before we get started, guys, don't forget, we do have a free app. Download it today. Hit yes to push notifications, and you're going to be squared away with every headline, every podcast, every con- all the content we put out, you're going to be right there at your fingertips. And the there are two, good, two great uh, things of news here. One is it's absolutely free, and two... It's available on both Android and Apple users. So again, want to em- uh, emphasize that it's absolutely free. It's available for you and to be a blessing to you. So we want to encourage you to do that. And of course, guys, hit that like button, hit that share button, hit that push notification because this helps us get our content out. We uh, we need all the help we can get, especially with all the suppression, shadow banning, censorship, and all that nonsense that goes on on all the big tech giant platforms. Um, that's why, again, if you've not, if you don't know this, we recently left. Uh, we're still on Facebook. We'll post announcements like when we do podcasts, but we're not sharing content there anymore. We have replaced Facebook with another platform called Telegram. Now, why do I love Telegram? Telegram. Is awesome because you can communicate with people, you can fellowship with people, you can get information there, and it's and and you're not censored, you're not shadow banned, we're not suppressed. Whenever I post an article there or a story, I don't have to worry about you know if we have uh, ten thousand followers, I don't have to worry about two hundred people only being able to see the content, and the other ninety eight hundred people never saw it in their feed. 
So there, it, it's got such great benefits. I want to encourage you today. Go get that app today. Uh, go find us. All the information, we'll put it there. It's in the description. Uh, look for us there. Uh, the links will be there, and you can go. And uh, we've got a group page, fellowship page, and we have an actual page or a channel, I should say, and it's the End Time Headlines channel. All right, guys. So today I'm going to be talking about some, uh, this is going to be an interesting topic. Um, we always try to keep them interesting. Um, I, I remember many, many, many years ago, well, I say many, many years ago, but it was, it was 24 years ago. Uh, in the year 2000, I got saved. I gave my heart to the Lord, gave my heart to Christ. And shortly after that, I would hear, and now again, I was, well, when I gave my heart to the Lord, it was, uh, I became a part of the uh, now, this is a denomination. Uh, I'm no longer a part of this denomination, but it was the, and I have nothing against them per se. It was just, I'm not in there anymore, but it was the Church of God of Prophecy. Now, for you guys who don't know that, they were a branch. They kind of split from the Church of God. You have the Church of God and the Church of God of Prophecy. Uh, by the way, I believe, and I stand to be corrected, um, that both headquarters, I know for a fact the Church of God is, I'm not. 100% sure on this about the Church of God of Prophecy, but I do know the Church of God headquarters is based out of Cleveland, Tennessee. Uh, I lived there for three years, so I, that's one reason why I know that. But I, I think the Church of God Prophecy is there too, but it may not be. It may be in somewhere in North Carolina, but I can't remember specifically. But you have the uh, you have the Church of God and the Church of God of Prophecy, uh, and the Church of God of Prophecy was a split from the Church of God, and there was... And, and I don't want to get all the whole thing, but it, the, the point I'm trying to make is when I first got saved, I would hear these this term get thrown around a lot called the Great Commission. How many's ever heard that? Uh, throw me up a little hand gesture in the chat if you've ever heard the term the Great Commission. Now, some of you would be like, are you serious, Brother Ricky? You're actually asking us if we've ever heard that. Well, listen, if you're older like me, that's been in this thing for a little while then you probably heard that. But a lot of the new, newer converts or those of the younger generation, they may not be hearing this from pulpits anymore. I mean, it's not like, you know, the church today is, it's, is not silent on a lot of major topics. So I wouldn't take it, you know, past a lot of these pulpits, a lot of these churches to be silent or, or to not be silent when it comes to the regards of the great commission. So what is, what is this? Okay. It's based out of Mark 16. Mark 16, listen what it says here. Here's Jesus. He appears to the 11 as they sit at the table. And he rebukes their unbelief and their hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen from the dead. So here he is. He's, uh, he exp he um, experienced the, the beatings, the crucifixion. He was put in the tomb. For three days and three nights, he was risen from the dead. He begins to reveal himself to the, the apostles, the early church apostles. And you had some that did not believe. And, and this is what he's talking about here. And in verse 15, he said to them, and here it is. This is the great commission. Listen what he tells them. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. 
They will take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means harm them or hurt them. Depending on what translation I'm reading from the New King James here. They will lay hands on the sick and they will cover will recover. So let's let me recap that again. What is the Great Commission? It again, ready? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. There will be signs that will follow those that believe. They will cast out demons, speak with new tongues. Uh, they will take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm them. And they will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. This is the Great Commission. Listen to me. It's not that complicated. But we have somehow complicated this on several angles that we're going to cover tonight. One is that we somehow, now I, 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 I say somehow, but it's kind of like a rhetorical thing here because the reality is many churches have complicated this and man has complicated this and denominations have complicated this because some churches, not all, some ministers, not all, some pastors, but not all, have merited the Great Commission to be for this uh, unique hierarchy of individuals who have been called, chosen, sanctified, ordained, and commissioned by a man, particularly of a certain denomination. So I come by, I want to come by today, and I'm going to show you today that for you and I, we do not need brother so-and-so from so-and-so church of whatever that is some high-ranking super apostle or bishop or elder or deacon or shepherd or pastor or evangelist or prophet to come along and anoint you with oil and pray some fancy prayer over you to commission you and send you out in order for you to fulfill Mark 16. All right, ready? Now I'm going to show you a parable. I know we're going to go from Mark 16 commission to a parable. I know it's going to be, we're guys, if you know how I roll, I promise you, I'm going to take you on some, uh, we're going to, we've got a main highway and I take you off on a lot of side roads and, and it may look like I'm going to get you lost, but I promise you, I'll get you back to the main highway and we're going to get you to our final destination. So since we're, we're on this highway, I want to tell you the definition of commission of the, in terms of understanding here is to charge someone with a task giving them the authority to do something in an official way. Let me say that one more time. To commission someone is to charge an individual with a task or give them the authority to do something in an official way. And from a biblical understanding here, it literally means to send on a mission or make an order. Now, I want you, I want to, the reason why I said that, I want, to, I want you to keep that in the back of your mind. As we proceed forward here. Now I'm going to go to the, if you're listening by Apple and by Spotify, we're in Matthew chapter 20. That's where I'm going right now. Matthew chapter 20. All right, here we go. This is Jesus speaking. He always, many times he spoke in parables and enigmas, right? And it, and it says for those who 
uh, are of the kingdom, they will understand these things. They will perceive these things. If those are of the spirit, they'll understand spiritually discerning things. So that's, we're going to break all this down. Watch this. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now, when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them to his vineyard. Verse three, and he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. Interesting. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, I'll give you. So they went. And again, he went out about the sixth and ninth hour and did likewise. So what did he do when it says he went out, did likewise? It's telling you that he went out, he, he finds people and they're standing idle and he quote unquote commissions them. Okay. And about the 11th hour, somebody say the 11th hour. Oh, come on, somebody. He went out and found others standing idle and said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, you will receive. Verse eight. So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And when those came who were hired about the 11th hour, they each received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more. And they likewise received each a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner saying, quote, these last men have worked only one hour and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. Verse 13, but he answered one of them and said, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to, I wish to give to the last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? Verse 16, so the last will be first and the first last. For many are called, but few are chosen. Friends, if I had to subtitle this, it would be right in verse 16. And I would have to ask this question of this, come on, of this 11th hour generation. And it would be this. Why have you been standing here idle all day? Come on. So there's some things in this parable that we've got to point out here. Number one, there is a landowner. Number two, there is a vineyard or a harvest field. Number three, there are laborers in the vineyard. Number four, there appears to be an epidemic of idleness. And then number five, there appears to be contention among the laborers over the rewards that they receive at the end of the harvest. Now, look, if you don't mind for the next 30 minutes or so, I want to preach a little bit on this in case you didn't figure this out. The landowner is Jesus. Come on. The harvest and the vineyard is it speaks for itself. The Bible makes this clear. The word of the Lord says in Matthew chapter nine, verses 35 through 38. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Verse 36, 
But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Look what he says here in verse 37. And then he says to his disciples, quote, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. I'm going to say it again. The harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Verse 38, therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now, guys, you've heard me say this, and I will say it again on this podcast. We do not have a problem with the harvest. Look around. The, the fields are ripe. They are white and ripe. They are ripened to they are ripe for the sickle to be swung and harvested. We don't have a harvest problem. We don't have that kind of problem. What we have a problem is with laborers. Okay, I'm going to take it a step further. We have a lot of people in the body of Christ that have become idle. See, by definition, the word idle, idleness, it is a state of inaction and inactivity. Let me say it again. A state of inaction and inactivity. You know, Ecclesiastes, Solomon said this about idleness. In Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 18, he said, Because of laziness, the building decays, and through idleness of hands, the house leaks. Oh, can I? Listen, I come by to tell you today. That, you know, one of the reasons why the church, come on, the church today, I'm talking about as a whole, one of the reasons why the church today has got so many cracks in the building. We've got cracks now in the foundation. We've got leaking roofs. We've got, come on, we've got mildew. We've got mold. We've got infestations. We've got all kinds of stuff happening to the house of God, to the church. And the reason why is, is because the church, come on, has become lazy and idle. We, come on, we don't pray like we used to. We don't intercede like we used to intercede we don't get on our face before god and seek the living god like we used to seek the living god we're not fasting like we used to fast oh we're not desperate we're not hungry we don't have a pursuit we don't have a passion we don't have a fire anymore we're just going through the wheel going through the motions we're going through the the, the same old mundane programs day in and day out punching the clock doing our religious duty come on we have many in the body of Christ in this hour. Come on, we, we'll get them saved and we'll get them delivered only for them to sit idle in their chairs, in their pews, and they're sitting there, come on, with no vision, no mandate, no purpose, no enthusiasm, no passion, and no drive. And they're waiting for a man to lay hands on them. They're waiting for the bishop, the pastor, the shepherd, the evangelist, the prophet, the teacher, whatever. They're waiting for a mere mortal man to come over them and slap them with some oil and commission them and mandate them to go out and do something for the kingdom. I'm telling you today, guys, we've got a, we've got a, a problem happening right now. And idleness has crept in. Listen, I can prove that there is an abundance of idleness in the body of Christ. And you, you can tell this because we're, when was the last true move of God in revival happening? Oh, yeah, we can have little spurts of, uh, 
uh, refreshings here and there and little outpourings that, you know, trickle on the weekend or whatever. But I'm talking about a real legitimate outpouring of the Holy Ghost, like revivals that we've read about in times past, that we've experienced in times past. But I'm talking about the last uh, the last 15 years or so. And you've heard me say this. I believe the introduction to smartphones and social media was the feather in the cap for the enemy to usher in an abundance of idleness right into the body of Christ. And listen, this is a dangerous thing, friend, because did you know the word of the Lord says in in the book of Ezekiel chapter 16 that one of the sins of Sodom was the abundance of idleness? And God did not look upon this with favor. This was one of the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah that brought the destruction of the cities of the plains. Now, let me let me reel this in for a moment and make this practical for you and I. Guys, if all I'm going to be transparent as I always do of all the things that I struggle with in my own personal life, I can tell you emphatically that it's this thing right here that inevitably will get me in trouble. When I become idle, oh, I know this is a biblical word and some of y'all are struggling with this. Let me make this, but let me put this in modern vernacular. When I become bored, when we become bored, we're bored. The When the word of God is no longer, um, it's no longer entertaining to us. It doesn't have an appeal to us. The simplicity of the gospel no longer appeals to us. We get bored with church. We get bored with prayer meetings. We get bored reading the Bible. And listen, no, I've been to some of these churches, and I can tell you right now, I get it. If the Holy Ghost is not permitted to move, and he doesn't have his way, and you don't have the gifts operating, and you don't get, you're not seeing people being set free, it's people getting delivered, demons cast out of people, and you're not seeing the Bible being come on displayed as it's written and manifested in your church, then you you're listen, then you're left with nothing but a dead, dry religion. I don't care what title is on your church and what denomination that you claim to be. I don't care if you're Church of God, Church of Christ, Church of God of Prophecy, Assemblies of God, it don't matter. If this, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And the, the body without the Spirit is dead. That is physically and figuratively speaking here. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about, oh, I know. I'm just going to, listen, I'm going to preach me for a minute. This may not apply to you, but I'm just going to, I, I, I really think if I hang out in, uh, in my neck of the woods and talk about me, I think that the shoe might fit for some people here. But I, listen, I can't speak for everybody, but I can tell you every time when I start seeing my prayer life dwindling, if I start seeing my devotional life dwindling, I start seeing my worship starting to get a little cold and my praise get a little bit dry and I, and my enthusiasm starts fizzling out, my passion starts fizzling out, my fire starts going out. It's inevitably, it didn't happen. I just didn't wake up one morning and I come to that uh, to that notion or come to that equation or in that state. It happened little by little by little. Instead of instead of getting into prayer like I should, I wanted to play games. 
Instead of, come on, get into that devotional when I want to, instead I watched some television. Instead of going to that revival meeting or going to that Wednesday night meeting, I didn't do that. Instead, I went to a ball game. I went to a sports game. I watched something on television. Come on, who am I talking to today? I'm just, listen, it may not fit with you. It may not, uh, th- this may have no relation to you and, and, and you can't relate to this, but I'm, I have a feeling, I have a hunch that a lot of us, are guilty of an abundance of idleness, especially in America, because America is inundated with an abundance of idleness. But let me let me go. Let me take the, another angle of this. Another sad part of this is there's a lot of people in the body of Christ that has been convinced that they can't really be used by God because they haven't gone to seminary. They haven't gone to theological school. They don't have uh, they don't have any degrees. They've not you know, they've not been sent. They've not been commissioned. They're not, you know, this uh, super elder or deacon or bishop or they're not somebody in a hierarchy of their denomination. So therefore, they're not qualified to go out there and do what Jesus said in Mark 16. They can't cast out devils. They can't lay hands on the sick that they would recover. They can't be baptized in the Holy Ghost. They can't do the works of Christ because they're quote-unquote not qualified or they've not been quote-unquote commissioned or sent. When you go back to the parable in Matthew 20, what every inevitably they all, number one, they, they dealt with idleness, but number two, watch this, they all made excuses, and here was the number one excuse. No one hired us. No one came to us and commissioned us. No one sent us. No one anointed us. But I've got good news for you today, friend. If you're sitting back idle because you feel like you're not qualified to preach the gospel and that God can't use you, the devil is a liar today. I'll just come by to tell you that today. The devil is a liar. I don't care what your denomination has said, the handbook, the layouts, the 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 statutes of your denomination or whatever it is that says all this stuff friends nowhere in the bible did jesus tell his disciples that they had to go through three years of ministry school they had to cast out x amount of devils they had to have so much experience under the belt of healing the sick and doing all these things before he could use them and commission them to go into the world and preach the gospel and baptize them in the name of Jesus and doing all these other things. Nowhere in the scriptures will you find that. I've come by to tell you today, listen, if you're just stuck in the wheel of con- of contentment, You're content with punching a clock. You're content with Sunday morning services. You're content with normal Christianity. And you don't even realize it. And I've come by to tell you maybe to shake you awake and say you are complacent and you are in a state of idleness. Listen, if I put a car, have you ever had a car that idles? It doesn't, it it won't go. You can't get the RPMs up. You can't go. You can't go back. You put it neutral. Neutral is another, uh, another angle at this. You put a car in neutral, it's not going forward, it's not going backwards, it's stuck in neutral. Listen, if you're waiting on that, friend, you're not going to be used by God. But I just, I come by today, I want to encourage you this. When I first gave my heart to the Lord 24 years ago, guys, I just, I would read the Bible, God would speak to me, I would pray about these things, and I would go out into the vineyard and I would begin to be used by God in the vineyard, 
come on, preaching the gospel to every to all the individuals that I came across, encouraging them to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Come on, and be filled with the Holy Ghost, so that they can be commissioned to do. Come on, the Great Commission as well. And boy, did I see fruit from that! I can tell. I can't tell you how many friends I made, how many brothers in Christ, even sisters in Christ that God had put me in a position of, or put me in proximity of whether it's in the workforce, whether it's in a neighborhood, whether it's at a retail store, a grocery store, whatever. And I had the, an inner and I had an interaction with them, spread, preached the gospel to them, led them to the Lord. And many of these discipled them on my own time through personal Bible studies and whatnot, and then laid hands on them and sent them out in the name of the Lord to do the Great Commission. Look at the people in the Bible, guys. Every single individual that God ever used. I mean, Elijah, Elisha, Matthew, Peter, James, John, Noah, Moses, Saul of Tarsus. We could go down the whole list. None of these people are quote-unquote qualified. They all had dysfunction. They all had mishaps, misfortunes. They had all of it. They had the the tallies against them. Some of them had blood on their hands. Some of them were robbers and thieves and murderers and adulterers. None of them were qualified by the terms and definitions of what man would call qualified. But God used every single one of them. And it was about through their obedience in the Lord and them being used and doing great and mighty things for the kingdom of God. So you got all these angles to this in this aspect. Then here's what's very interesting. And I see this very strongly today. When we get to the latter part of this parable. Notice here that there was all these separate groups. The, 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 uh, the owner of the vineyard, again, which is Christ, is calling individuals out from uh, this hour and then the next hour, and then the next hour, he's got all these groups, right? Then he, So he has the first and the last groups. So when you get down here to the end of the parable, there is contention, disagreements, arguments, and complaining among the laborers. Oh, this is good right here. And you know what it's about? Resources and money. Oh, I can just drop the mic right there. Tell me that's not what we've got going on today. When you look across the spectrum, look across all the YouTube platforms, the social media platforms and all the preachers and teachers and the ministers and the, the networks and the uh, the all and, and the list goes on and on and on. And what do you see? A lot of this nonsense, guys, I, I'm quiet on a lot of this stuff. You get on YouTube and you've got so much and you see it all. I see it all the time. And I really I try to stay away from all that drama as much as possible. But I've unfollowed a lot of these guys. I, I respect them. I think they're really I, I do believe they're men of God. But the, the, the drama got on my last nerve. I, can, I got I got so tired of this group that calls themselves this this term arguing and sending little pot shots on social media, on YouTube, doing these clips and whatever, attacking this group of quote-unquote evangelists or uh, deliverers or or, uh, or deliverance team ministers or whatever. They're attacking this group. So this group's attacking this group. This guy's slamming this guy. This guy's slamming this woman. This woman of God slamming this woman of God. So you see this all across social media, and it's amazing to me 
Because when I read this parable, is this not what's going on? And this and the same thing's happening today. So watch this. In Matthew 20, there is dissension and division among the laborers. And the only one suffering in all of this is the, uh, the, the fruit of the vineyard. Now, what is the fruit of the vineyard? Guys, the fruit of the vineyard is souls. James made it clear to us. James chapter 5 and verse 7. Therefore, be patient, brethren. Until the coming of the Lord, see how the farmer waits for the precious. What does it say right there, saints? The precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. I want to say it again. The fruit of the earth is souls. The fruit of the vineyard, the fruit of the harvest is the souls. And watch this. When the laborers of the harvest are setting back in contention and strife and discord, arguing amongst each other. The only ones who are suffering is the fruit. Golly, I'm going to preach it anyway today. Come on. They're sitting around arguing about who has more followers. Who has the better Instagram account? Who's got the blue check mark? Who has the bigger platform? Who has, who's been on, who's been featured on Charisma Magazine? Who's been on TBN News? Who's been on Daystar Network? Who's, who's on the Elijah's list? Woo, you've made it up there into the realm of the real prophets if you're on the Elijah list. Who has more influence? Who is more well known? Who has big, who has a bigger partner base? Who's making more money? Look what Jesus said here in verse, this is in John 4. Look what he says here. Jesus tells his disciples, because they're saying, uh, this is the, this occurred at the, at the well, Jacob's well, when he meets the woman at the well. And they came to him and said, has anyone brought him anything to eat? And Jesus said to them, look what he says in verse 34. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. In other words, oh, my appetite is consumed by the commission that I've been sent on by my Father in heaven and to finish his work. Look what he says. Do not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Because Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white for harvest. So again, I've always found it intriguing. He says, he, he tells them, look up and lift up your eyes. And that's the cry that I've heralded out in this generation. Get, stop looking down at your phone. Stop checking your followers, your, come on, your DMs, your influence, your reach, your stats. And that's another thing that just, oh, it just irritates the fire out of me when I see these preachers and these ministers every single week they get on Facebook, they get on Instagram, they get on YouTube, and they're constantly telling us we had this many followers this month. We've had this many, we've reached 2.1 million people this month, and this month we reached it. It's like, okay, I we don't keep the records. God does. Somebody said, Well, how many people have you have has the Lord used you to save? I don't know. I don't keep track of it. I don't keep the records. He does. How many people has God used you to baptize in Jesus' name? I don't know. I don't keep the records. He does. How many people has God have you used? Has God used you to be to baptize him in the Holy Ghost? Don't know. Don't keep the records. Can't tell you that. 
I don't go around boasting of that. It just drives me insane, guys. I can't stand with people. Every time they lay hands on the sick or they deliver somebody of demonic oppression or demon or whatever the case would be, they've always got to have a camera shoved in the face of the individual that they're helping, praying for, setting free or delivering. It's that we've made theatrics of it and we've made a spectacle of it. Oh, I challenge you to get to your Bible and read it and you'll discover that all most of the time when Jesus did miracles, he he forbid them not to go. He said, tell them, don't tell anybody you did this or that I did this. Don't tell this individual, go in private, go tell the priest, go show them what, what's been done. Keep, keep quiet about this. Friends, th- this Mentality would absolutely destroy the modern platform of Christianity today, which is completely opposite. Today, listen, if we laid hands on a blind person at a Walmart down the road and God opened their eyes, listen to me, I'm telling you, we would have five cameras. We'd be streaming it live on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and all that. It would be, you would be, it would be all over and you would make sure that you are for in the forefront of that. And look what God did to me and look at our ministry. So that's why I get tickled. Listen, when people that don't really know me or they don't know our ministry and they try to accuse us of we're just fleecing the flock and we're just making merchandise of the gospel. And I'm, I'm thinking, really? Because the last time I checked, we don't sell merchandise. We don't sell the message. We don't sell the gospel. We don't charge for website fees. We don't, we don't charge for subscription fees. We don't charge you for the app. Everything is absolutely free. How, now tell me again how we're fleecing the flock again. So again, I used to get mad at those individuals, but the sad thing is the reality is, is they, there's, they've had a bad taste put in their mouth from all this other nonsense. But it goes back, listen to me, it goes back to this factor again, and that is when we are entangled with abundance of idleness, when we become idle, bad things start happening. When we get to a point where we leave our first love and we've lost our first love for Christ, when we leave, when we lose that first love, you know what happens? It becomes an occupation. Ministry becomes an occupation. And look, I'm preaching to a select group of people now. If you're listening, you're a minister of the gospel, whatever. We have to guard our hearts about this, that this doesn't just become an occupation. That we remember what the Bible said, that Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil. The Bible says that he had compassion on the multitudes because they were like sheep that were scattered without a shepherd. We come on, we got to get the compassion back. We've got to get the compassion, the passion, the fire, the zeal. We got to be, come on, we, what are we doing? What are we in this thing for? It's hard to become idle when you're full of compassion and you have, and you're burning with desire to see the harvest come on, come in of souls. So I'm not, listen, I I don't, I'm going to, I'm not going to keep you very long today. I want to leave you with this again. I want to tell you today that I believe there's two groups of people that are watching and listening today. One group is the, you have found yourself idle. You're in neutral. You're stuck in neutral. You're not really going forward, but you're not really going backward. You're just kind of idle. 
You're just stuck there idle. And church, and if you were to admit it, if I took you off camera to the side in private and you were open and honest, you would say, Brother Ricky, I church is boring to me. I don't like going to church because it bores me. I, I'm tired of going through the motions. I'm tired of the programs. I'm tired of the same old, same old. I'm not getting, I'm not getting touched by God. I'm not hearing the, the whole counsel of God. I'm not hearing the fundamentals of the gospel. I'm not seeing the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm not seeing people set free and delivered and saved. I'm not hearing the preaching of the cross, the blood, Jesus, repentance, sin. I'm not hearing any of this stuff. So it's become entertainment to me. And it bores me. It's like a rerun watching the same thing over and over and over again. Come on. If that was you, you got to be honest here today. And then the second, I believe there's another group of people here. One of the reasons why you're idle, it's not because of the former that we just talked about. It's because you're, st- you're waiting on somebody who is in this hierarchy of groups of qualified ministers and preachers to come lay hands on you and commission you and send you out as a laborer into the harvest. I want to show you something, guys. We Let me go back to, let's go over here to Matthew, what, what was it, 20? So he says all this stuff in his parable, and then he gets to this strange verse in verse 16, and he says, so the last will be first, and the first, uh, and the first last. Look what he says here. For many are called, but few are chosen. Let me say that again. Many are called, but few are chosen. This is a very interesting and controversial statement right here. Many are called, but few are chosen. Now I want to show you. Now let's go to the book of Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to pull up a verse of scripture out of here. Watch this. We're in verse 3, Ephesians 1, 3, for you guys that are listening by Apple or by Spotify. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Now look at verse 4. This is very important. Just as he chose us in him. I said he chose us in him. Look at this before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. So in this verse. Now, let me clarify this, because I'm sure as I'm telling you, people email me a message. Oh, no, he's going into predestination. No, 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 not as you perceive. That's not what I'm talking about here. Number one, when was we chose? Before the foundation of the world, Christ chose us in him. But you got to read on here that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. God desires for us, come on, to live holy and without blame. I know this is this is unheard of today. You start talking about holiness and righteousness and sanctification, and people look at you like you done fall off your cart and bumped your head. But the Bible is filled with this language. And this is still prevalent today. Come on, somebody. It's it still preaches today. It's still relevant today. And I believe the Bible, when it says that without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. 
All right. So, and then, the, and the next thing it says here, he predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters. What does that even mean? What does that mean, brother Ricky? It means this. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, Jeremiah, I knew you and ordained you a prophet and to set you among many nations. Did you know that every single individual under the sound of my voice, you were not an accident. I don't care if you were born out of wedlock, you were born into fornication, you were born into adultery. The world may say you're an accident. The world may say you are a, and I was going to use a, a, we'll call we'll use the King James illegitimate. The Bible actually uses a different word in the King James. It starts with a B, but we'll not use that word. But you are not illegitimate. You are not disqualified and you are not an accident in the eyes of God. Listen, in the natural, I was born out of wedlock, born out of fornication. But in the eyes of God, he knew me before the foundation of the world and predestined that I would have a purpose. Oh, come on. A plan for my life. And that one day. God was waiting for me to come on, be conceived on earth so that I could come from heaven and come to earth. Whoa, what are you teaching now? Yeah, that's in the Bible. Don't believe me? Go over here to Psalms 139. Look what David said by revelation of the Lord. My frame was not hidden from you. This is Psalms 139, 15 through 17. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. What? God saw my substance before I was even yet formed. Look at this. And in your book, they all were written, not will be written, were written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. Wow, come on, guys. In other words, God truly does have a plan for your life. It's not a cliche. Oh my goodness. You mean this is not just a cliche that we've conjured up in in in, in the body of Christ? We have all these cliches that we use in the church. And you've always heard, well, God has a plan for your life, but he really does. And before we were formed in our mother's womb, God had already, God already has a book in heaven and our days are fashioned. They're numbered and he wants and desires that. Now here's where I want to, because I remember I threw a flag up while ago, because I don't want you to think I'm preaching predestination as in watch this, that we have been predetermined and predestined for some to go to heaven and some to go to hell. No, no, no. We have a free will. As for me, Joshua said, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. The Bible says, choose ye this day whom you shall serve. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Come on. This is not a God chose. You know, he didn't choose you before the foundation of the world to be predestined to go to hell. And then he chose these others who are better than you to go to heaven. No, that's not what we're teaching. That's not what we're preaching. What I'm trying to tell you today is God has a plan for each and every individual 
on the face of this earth and they have to make that choice. They have to choose him, choose to walk in his will, choose to surrender to his purpose. When we become, listen, the Bible says there's a way that seems right unto man in Proverbs, but it's a, a way it leads unto death. The, 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 uh, the path of the just is like a shining light that gets brighter and brighter into the perfect day. But for the way of the wicked is like darkness and they slip and they fall and they know not where they go. I've come by to tell you today. I, listen, you don't need a man to lay hands on you and, and put oil on you and call you and commission you. You've already been called. You've already been qualified. You've already been commissioned. Come on. From the foundation of the world, all you got to do, number one, come on. The prerequisite of this is this. You have to be born again. That's the first step, friend, is you got to be born again. If you're watching, you're listening, you're not born again. You're not saved. You've never given your heart to the Lord. That's your first step. You get born again. You get saved. And once you get saved, it is no longer you that live, but Christ that lives in you. And the life that you now live in the flesh is through the faith and the son of God who loved you and gave himself for you. So now you become, you've been grafted in. You become a son and a daughter of him. And now you're walking in fellowship with him. You're, come on, you are walking out the plan that he has and had for you from the very foundation of the world. So as you begin to walk in that, all the things that God has desired for you, his plan for you, his mandate for you, the great commission, all this stuff will be fulfilled in your life. But listen, at any, any time, just because you listen, I can go out and adopt two. I can go out and adopt two children today at, at which is not a reality because it's very difficult to adopt kids. It's amazing. I can go to Humane Society, throw down a $50 bill and get a cat in one day. But you try to adopt a child, it ain't that easy. But I can, listen to me, I can adopt children. I can raise them as a little child. But when they get older, they have a free will. They can choose to be a part of our family or they can willfully walk away and dis, and just completely disregard us out of their own will. Just because you've been saved and born again, God doesn't he doesn't put a clamp on you and control you and make you serve him. You have free will. Look what Paul said in Colossians. Uh, this is in Colossians chapter 1 verse 21. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled, born again, in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Now look at verse 23. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven of whom, which I, Paul became a minister. Let me say that again. He talks about being alienated, reconciled through what Christ did for us on the cross. But then he says, watch this. If indeed we continue in the faith, grounded, steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which we heard. Now, look, I'm not going to get into an hour debate on, can you fall away from the faith? You can't. I, look, I just gave you Colossians. I'm just telling you what Paul said right there. He said, if you're not moved away. So look, I come by to encourage someone today. 
I, I come by, number one, to shake you out of your idleness. And number two is to affirm you today as one brother to another or one brother to a sister and let you know, stop waiting on Bishop so-and-so and Pastor so-and-so and whoever to come lay hands on you, commission you, mandate you to go out and do the works of Christ. If you are born again, saved, come on, and regenerated, and you're serving God, friends, the same, come on, the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and quickens your mortal body. Come on. Jesus said it's expedient that I go away because if I don't, then the comforter, the paracletos, will not come. He said the same way works that I did you well you shall do also and greater works shall you do because I go unto my father so listen I'm gonna that's I'm done for the day that's that's the program today I want to pray right here for these two groups of individuals if you're in this if you're and you're listening to this today you're watching this program today and you fall in any of these categories I want to pray for you today father in heaven I thank you for this word I pray that it would not go forth and return void but it will equip and establish and bring forth fruit and that which is sent forth to do i pray father right now for the individuals that lord they are in a state of idleness they're in a state of being neutral lord they are they're 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 not progressing they're not they're they're not making any leadway they're just kind of stuck in a rut and it's because they've become bored of church and church programs and we're going they're 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 tired of the form of godliness with no power no power no resurrecting power no power to deliver no power to set free no power to heal no power to do these things so father in the name of jesus i pray father that you'd set them free lord from this cycle of idleness lord they would shake it off they'd get in the word get in your presence get in get into the word of god to get into the house of god get into some praise get into some worship and the chains would begin to fall off the i the idleness would begin to dissipate the fire would come back it would be restored and reconciled in jesus name and lord that they would begin to walk in and they would begin to step in what you have commissioned and commanded and established in them from the foundation of the world father i thank you for those that are watching and listening today and lord for those that have been sitting on the sidelines they won't get into the game they won't get into the big game because they have not had the coach come along and say put on your helmet and get out there on the field oh i've come by today to tell you to put that helmet on and get into the field we need you on the field come on the harvest is plentiful but the labors are few don't sit back and wait for somebody to commission you and send you today you're sent not because of brother ricky not because of end time headlines but because the word of god tells us go into all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature if you are saved and born again you have the word of the lord in your heart you can go into your field you can go into your vineyard you can go into the walmart you can go into that target you can go into that retail that grocery center that factory that office you can go into the streets the highways the byways and compel them to come into the house of the lord why because time is running out you are that you and i are that 11th hour generation time is running out 
It's of the essence. We don't have time to be looking down, looking down at distractions, down at our phones, down at TikTok, down at Facebook. We need to lift up our eyes, look up, our, lift up our heads for the fields are ripe. The harvest it surely is plentiful. Not only do we need to begin to swing that sickle and get that fruit coming back into the kingdom, but we need to pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send more labors in this 11th hour generation. And Father, I pray it today in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said amen and amen. Come on, I pray that you receive this word today. Listen, endtimeheadlines.org, endtimeheadlines.com. Please bookmark our website. Again, if you don't have our free app, this is how you keep up and stay connected with our ministry. As far as every headline, every podcast, just get it today on Apple and Android by hitting, uh, downloading it, hitting yes to the push notifications, and you're going to be squared away and good to go. And of course, guys, I, like I tell everybody that's came from Facebook, if you love social media and you like a gathering place with other like-minded believers, go find us on Telegram. Listen, we love everybody on YouTube and Rumble, but we're trying to find one gathering place that is very much like a lot like Facebook. Telegram is the place to go. We've got a Telegram channel for end time headlines where you're going to see all the headlines and announcements. And then we've got a group chat, which we've called ETH Church. And because the word church is ecclesia, it's a it's a gathering of believers together that are like minded for fellowship. So all the links are going to be there. If you go to the channel. And you, and you click on there and you go on the Telegram channel, you're going to see a link up at the top that's going to link you to the community page. So they're going to be connected together. You can't miss it. Go and do that today. And of course, guys, if this ministry is a source of blessing, equips, equips you, informs you, encourages you, uh, all of the above, uh, you enjoy our content, everything we do, and you want to partner with us, we want you to do, we want you to pray about that. And you can do it two different ways. You can give electronically through the app. That's the easiest way all the way to the bottom where it says donate. Or of course you can give uh, through PayPal, credit card, Venmo, cash app, all that's available. Or you can give by check or money order as well. And you can make that out to end time headlines, PO box 1391. That's going to be Monroe, Georgia, three zero six five five. As always guys, we thank you so much from the bottom of our heart. For all of our supporters, our partners, our prayer warriors, all of you guys make a huge difference. We need you as much as you need us, and we appreciate you in this 11th hour, in this last, come on, this last rim of the race. We need you, and and we all need each other, so we appreciate you, uh, and through your generous support that that we're able to continue to do what we do. So guys, we're going to sign off for tonight. Again, don't forget to like, share, get the word out. We will be off tomorrow, Wednesday the 28th, and we'll be right back here on the 29th, Thursday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern, with another great program. Until then, may the Lord bless you, may He keep you, and may His countenance shine upon you. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to the End Time Headlines podcast. We pray that you've been blessed and equipped by today's message. For more information about how you can help partner with our ministry, please visit endtimeheadlines.org.